I believe that the Lord himself wants to speak to you. That's why you're in here. You're not in here by accident. And I am very excited um, that one of our students from our student ministry, high school students from our high school student ministry, is here to share the word with us today. And so I want to invite Brady um, Hoskins to come on up here. And uh, we will stop and hear God has something that he wants to say to you. Amen. Thank you. Uh, good morning, and welcome to the Vineyard. My, as he said, my name is Brady Hoskins, and I'm really excited to be here. I don't know what you're all thinking. Finally, a week we don't have to hear about Frank and Pastor Joe's dogs. <laughs> now, don't get mad at me later about that. I love Frank. I got to spend some time with Frank. Definitely my favorite dog on the planet. Um, last time you saw me, I was 16 years old. I still am. <laughs> I'm a junior in high school at Madison Central, and I get to be involved with this VSM that we have here, that our student ministries. By the way, we're at a great place. We're at a place where, that we've been working for, for, working towards for a long time, and I absolutely love it. But about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I felt calling a ministry on my life, and I wasn't sure what that would look like. So I had some conversations with Pastor Joe. He invited me to take part in a leadership, how to build a sermon, how to preach class. And through that, I got to preach to the staff. And then I got to preach up here back in August. And here I am again. So around here, I also play acoustic guitar. I'll do lights. Or I may just hold open a door. I'm around here. Um, today, I would like to talk about grace. And we'll be working out of Luke 19, 1 through 10. And don't worry, Pastor Joe didn't just come up here, introduce me, and run away. He's just sitting right up here listening today. If you don't mind, go ahead and grab your Bible, open it up. If you don't have one, that's totally fine. I recommend it. Open up your version. If not, again, it'll always be up on the screens, whoever is up here, behind whoever's up here. So before we begin anything, as I've been told, we should pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you for this day. Thank you for just another day to live and have joy in everything that we go through. Thank you for the ability that we have in this room to come and worship freely without being persecuted. God, I pray that we just listen to what you have to say to us today and that we just take that and apply it to our lives. And we aren't just here listening. Amen. So. Luke 19, 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. Now a little reference for you. Jericho was known as the city of palm trees. It was an oasis in the desert. A really nice place, very populated. So we see Jesus coming along. To Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem, walks in, everyone's, ooh, Jesus, let's go. And then we see a guy named Zacchaeus. He's rich and a tax collector. Now, from what we've read, we already have a ton of information. Zacchaeus was a Jew in a Jewish shit city, Jewish city, collecting money from Jews for the Romans. So everyone around him is like, man, this guy's like betraying us. We're all Jews, and you're taking our money and giving it to them, stealing it from us? They, they just can't believe it. But 
he hears about this guy named Jesus. He hears about all the stories and miracles that he's worked. And he hears he's coming to town. He's like, okay, I want to see this guy. I want a glimpse of him. So he goes, tries to see Jesus, but he can't because there's a crowd. And he's small in stature. So in my mind, I wanted to know what small in stature meant. How tall was Zacchaeus? Now, there's no way of knowing specifically how tall Zacchaeus was, but I did find that the average Middle Eastern man back in this time was about five feet, five inches tall. So if we're saying Zacchaeus was small in stature, and that's the average, then that puts Zacchaeus at about five feet, little more, little less. So here I am thinking, all right, five feet. What, what do I know? Who do I know that's about five feet tall? What can I compare Zacchaeus to? Did you know that Danny DeVito is four foot ten? And that is now how I think of Zacchaeus. So when we're in Sunday school and sing, Zacchaeus was a, no, DeVito was a wee little man. Verse four. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So Jesus is coming towards Danny. No, 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 Zacchaeus. Jesus is coming towards Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus decides to climb the sycamore tree just to get a glimpse of who he hears that Jesus is. Jesus comes up to the tree, looks up, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm coming to your house for dinner. And Zacchaeus is happy about that. He excited, he's so excited, he hurries down, he's ready, he takes in Jesus. But we see the crowd, the other Jews around him, they grumble. They're not happy about this. They're jealous. They're like, why are you going to Zacchaeus' house when we're here for you? He's some sinner. He probably doesn't even want you at his house. They're jealous. Verse 8 says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, imagine some time has passed. You know, they've had dinner. You know how it is having people over at your house. You sit at the dinner table until someone finally goes, well, time to go. They've had time. Jesus has got to talk to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has a change of heart, right? He says, Lord, I'm going to give half of my stuff away to everyone in Jericho. And then, not only that, he says, if I have wronged anyone, I will pay them back four times as much. That would require a radical change in Zacchaeus' living. To go from all this money to less than half. But he says he's gonna, and Jesus looks at him and says, you've been saved by grace. This house. Jesus came to save Zacchaeus. Jesus is here to seek and save the lost. The big message I see in this is grace, right? Jesus shows Zacchaeus grace many times. He shows everyone grace. Zacchaeus doesn't deserve it, and neither do we, right? We haven't done a thing to deserve it, but God still gives it to us. So with that in mind, what is God's grace? 
I was curious, and God's grace is usually defined as undeserved favor. Undeserved. Man, have you ever been given undeserved favor? I know I have. I apologize to any of you who have heard me talk about calculus in this past year, but you get to hear about it again. So as I said before, I'm a junior in high school, and going into your junior year and senior year, you get to pick your classes. And as a junior or senior, you have a lot more freedom because you've, you've done all your required courses, so you get to do what you want, basically. You still have to have the credits, but you get to do what you want. So here I am excited. I'm like, man, I'm gonna challenge myself this year. I'm gonna take all the AP classes, which if you don't know, advanced placement, it's harder, and if you pass a test at the end of the year, you get college credit. So here I am, I'm ready. This year, I'm in guitar, I'm in AP US history, I'm in dual credit English 101 and 102, AP chemistry, and AP calculus. As I said, it's a really full, hard year. But out of all of those classes, Calculus kills me. I know I'm up here talking to you, but I promise I died in that class a long time ago. And listen, I'm a good student. The only B I've ever had was in middle school in seventh grade, and it was an 89. I was so mad at that. Look, I get my work done. I do it on time, actually before time, not to brag on myself. I study. I help others. I do all of the things that we say a good student is. So all my, all my assignments in calculus, I've gotten 100 on. I need a little help, and that's fine. Everyone needs help. But tests, we don't need to talk about that. My test scores in that class are as follows. 72, 62, 100, and 68. All of those scores are with a curve. I did not earn a single one of those, and the 100 was a group test. We all know how group work is. I'm not saying I didn't do the work, but I'm not saying I did it all either. <sighs> so here I am in this class, struggling. We're in December, this past December. I have an 88 in calculus starting the month. I've had all A's in high school so far. It's my goal to have all A's. I need this, especially in calculus. Do you know how many people I could prove wrong if I had an A. So a couple weeks go by, I do a couple assignments, I make it up to an 89. All right, feeling good. I have a final left, that's all I have, 89. I did the math, I needed 100 on my final to pass the class with an A. Yeah, not good. So imagine this with me, it's finals week, a time where it doesn't matter if you're in middle school, high school, or college. It doesn't matter what grade you are, what age you are, anything. We're all struggling through the mix of emotions and tough times that finals week is. So, 89. I walk into school on the last day before Christmas break. I have to sit and think about the test all day because it's my last class of the day. I'm freaking out about it. But then I get in there, I take the test, and it's over, just like that. And I know afterwards, I either bombed the test, or that's the best test I've ever taken in my life. So I'm on my way home, and I have some time to think about it. I'm like, man, have I, have I really put my all into this calculus class? I've done the work, but the work enough to get an 89. So 
Christmas break passes two weeks. Grades are due January 5th. January 2nd. Why do I not have this calculus test grade yet? You've made me think about it this whole time. And as I'm sitting there thinking that, I get a notification from my grade app thingy, and it says 68. I made a 68 on my final. I was devastated. I looked at my grade, it was still at an 89, just a lower one. I was, I was just sad, so close. But then I'm sitting there, and I get another notification. It says my, my first exam grade, the one that I took back in September, got changed to 92.3. Why? What's happening? So then I look again, and this is what I saw. That's right, 89.59, rounds up to a 90, <laughs> and I passed my first semester of calculus with an A. When I saw that, and thank you, thank you. <laughs> When I saw that, I promise you, I heard angels singing. <laughs> I was blessed. My, my calculus teacher changed my grades so I would keep my streak of all A's. I'm so thankful for that. I thanked her a ton when I got back to school. She was just like, of course, of course. But isn't that how it is, though? We're so desperate for something. We ask God for it. We receive it, and all we can do is be thankful and try and change how we are. We didn't, I didn't deserve my grade to be changed, but I received that. See, Zacchaeus did this kind of in reverse order. He heard of Jesus' grace and decided to climb a tree. He wanted Jesus' grace, which leads me straight into point one, that grace leads us to Jesus. It's that simple. Grace leads us to Jesus. Zacchaeus was intrigued of a man he heard of who loves all, gives grace to all, doesn't judge anyone, and just wanted a glimpse. So he climbed a tree. Now, this is going to take a second to explain, but bear with me. I'm going to prove a point. You remember in verse 2 when it said, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. This holds weight, Right? He's rich. He's a chief tax collector. Do you see rich people out climbing trees often? He probably had a guy for it. If he needed something up in a tree, he probably had a few guys for it that would do it. But he climbs the tree. Not only that, he was in a position of power. But he still climbs the tree. Not only that, he was small in stature. He was Danny DeVito's height. Do you see could you see Danny DeVito climbing a tree that's 80 to 110 feet tall? No. So in this moment, we see Zacchaeus humble himself. People were probably watching. He did not care. But the point of that is, to grow close to Jesus, you're going to have to ignore what some people think of you. Christ didn't die for you so you would look good to your friends when you worship him. Christ didn't die for you so you would look good to the people around you when you worship him. I was thinking about this point and just the humbling of ourselves for the Lord. I thought about worship, all right? Here at the Vineyard, seems we like to do definitions, so I wanted to be part of that again. And I looked up a definition of worship, and I found that worship is when we show our deepest affection 
and highest praise to God. Deepest affection, highest praise. If that's what worship is, then why every Sunday morning do I stand with my hands like this, just staring? I'm not saying that's wrong. Worship is very individual for everyone. What you do is not what I'm gonna do. But if I'm standing there and I wanna raise my hand like this or like this or jump, then I shouldn't care what other people around me are gonna think. It's how I want to praise my God. Moving on, I'm gonna be trying to work on that. I'm gonna try and not care what people are thinking of me when I worship. I'm not saying you shouldn't care what people are thinking of you. If your mom tells you you're being a bonehead, mine has, you should probably listen because she knows what she's talking about. The point is we, should, we need a hunger for God. We should be hungry for what he says to us and our relationship with him. Zacchaeus was a broken person. He wanted an active relationship with Jesus. So we need to see what our active relationship with him can do for us and we can do for him as well. While Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, he said in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Do the simple things. Read your Bible, pray, worship, listen to a worship song on your way to work, right? Hunger for God, starve for him. He, he's a man who holds no grudges, doesn't care what we've done. He's always there waiting for us. We're lost, just like Zacchaeus, which leads straight into point two, that grace finds the lost. Luke 19, one through 10 is titled, Jesus and Zacchaeus. What about the third person in the story? You're probably sitting there thinking, what, what third person in the story? Do you remember when it says, and when they saw it, they grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Jesus and Zacchaeus and the grumblers. We see these people, these saved people, grumbling that Zacchaeus went, that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. They were jealous. Listen, they were there for God. They've been chasing him for a long time. They want him, and now he's going to Zacchaeus' house, who's been wronging them their entire lives, stealing from them, hurting them. Why? They're annoyed, right? I think I probably would be too. But what they don't understand is that Jesus sees everyone, and everyone means everyone, even the lost, especially the lost. And I know where they're coming from, it's easy to stay comfortable in your faith-based community and not go talk to the person who knows who Jesus is. It's easy to judge. It's easy to follow culture, but we're not called to do that. We're called to step above and show who Jesus is. As Christians, we live grace-filled lives. We're called to find the hurt and the lost and the broken, just like Jesus did, and introduce them to Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. 
And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Do you remember all those times Pastor Joe has gone up here and said that he preaches to Frank? Your evidence is right there of why I should. We're supposed to preach to all of creation. John 13, 15 through 17. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. See, we also have John 13, 34 through 35, Acts 1, 8, Acts 5, 42, John 15, 8 through 10, John 15, 26 through 27, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, Romans 10, 13 through 15, John 15, 16, and Matthew 14, 19, just to name a few different places in Scripture, it says we should introduce people to Jesus. How are you reaching out to people? How are you furthering the kingdom of God in people. I have, I have a classmate. They're a really great person. I love this, love this person. Super fun. They're friends with everyone. Everyone knows them. They get all their work done. They work a job outside of school. They don't care what you do to them. Everyone knows them. Great person. This person doesn't know Jesus, and it makes me sad. I invited them to the Christmas service. They were going to come. They're very open to anything, but they sadly had work. So, doesn't know Jesus. But in our conversations, because we'll just be talking about school or their work or anything like that, a point, will, a point in time will come where I can mention Jesus, where I can have a conversation about it. I've been taking those recently. It's been really good. You know, we always have a moment where are we going to talk about Jesus? Are we going to introduce people? Are we going to step out of our comfort zone and grow? It's, yeah, it's a weird place. I'm not judging this person the whole time either. I just want them to know the God that I love. We're, as Christians, we're not called to fulfill a quota and if someone has come off to you that way, I'm sincerely sorry. We just love a God who loves us and loves all of you, and we want you to hear about him. Zacchaeus and us are the same. I've said that all 22 minutes of this, that we are the same. See, Zacchaeus was the man with no friends, and when he had a relationship with Jesus, he was the man with the friend. After having time with Jesus, it changes him. Which leads straight into our third point, that grace leads to change. Grace leads to change. How are you going to represent, right? Our word for the year, represent. What does that mean? People need to know that you love God. It needs to be a radical change. People need to know. If you're unaware, we went through three messages this past month, all through January, on representing. I still get to do another.
Back to the radical change. When you love God, it needs to be radical. People need to see it. Zacchaeus had a radical change. Remember, he went from one of the most greedy people in Jericho, he was collecting money from everyone, to one of the most generous. See, Zacchaeus was chief tax collector, which means he probably saw a lot of people. Now, yes, there were other tax collectors in the room, in the city, but he probably saw a lot being in that high position of power, which means he took a lot. He was rich. The Bible says that for a reason. But after meeting with Jesus, he gives half of it away, just gives it away. Not only that, he then, if he's wronged anyone, which is a lot of people, he gives it back to him four times as much as he took. Take a second with me and think about what you own. Money, cars, house, anything material. Now imagine you had half of that. That's scary. That would require a big change in your living. Now imagine you had way less than that. Anyone you've wronged, pay them back. I would be stuck with like a pillow, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> it's radical. People will notice that Zacchaeus changed. So what are you doing in your life to show your change? Or do you still live in your sin? Do we all? Are you out there cussing and screaming and yelling? Why are we still living in our sin if we're called to live in Christ? It's because we're a broken people who just need God. We're supposed to throw away the broken part of ourselves. Throw, throw it away. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. It'll be hard. When you pray about your sin going away, you'll probably be tested. And it will be hard. But we have Jesus and our community to help rely on with that. Now, back to the scripture. Do you remember when it said that Jesus came to the place? The place meaning the tree Zacchaeus was in. And then... When he talks to Zacchaeus, he says, hey, I'm coming to your house. He didn't ask. He said, I'm going to come to your house. He came to the place. The tree was his destination. It is my full belief that Jesus came to Jericho for Zacchaeus. He was there to find Zacchaeus and save him. Not only to save Zacchaeus or the other people in Jericho, but Zacchaeus' story, his testimony would have helped change many others as well. So how are you sharing your testimony? How are you telling people about what God has done in your life? Now, before Pastor Joe comes back up, I'm gonna close our time in a word of prayer. If you would please stand. Father God, I just wanna thank you for this time that you've given us to hear what you have to say. Um, I thank you for just everything you do in our lives because we don't deserve it. We're horrible, horrible people who just need you, Lord. And you give us the grace that we don't deserve. God, I pray that 
we do just further your kingdom. I pray that we work for you because that's what we're here for. We're here for you. You found us and now we need to help you find other people, help other people find you. We love you and thank you. Amen.